Thank you. Okay, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 this morning. So if you would, please stand and hear God's Word. Here's where John has written to us. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they're Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is God's word for God's people. May God be praised. Amen. Thank you. I may be seated. Forgot to tell you, it was verses 7 through 13, but I think y'all figured that out. I got in the middle of that and I thought, should I stop reading and tell them? Nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to insult their intelligence. Okay. We come to church number six in the study of our seven churches in the Revelation. First, I want to clarify one thing for y'all. When we talk about Philadelphia, it is not in Pennsylvania. Okay? Just wanted to let some of you Weisenheimers out there that might think something like that. No, that's not it. Okay? This Philadelphia was around a whole long time before Philadelphia, PA. I did hear a story, though, I want to tell you about a guy who was visiting a friend of his in the backwoods of Tennessee. He was there over the weekend and decided to go to church with his friend. He had no idea what he was about to let himself in for, though. Seems this fella, the man was visiting, had gotten caught up in a little old church where snake handling was part of the worship. And contrary to popular belief, the session has not discussed that for here, okay? Just want to pass that along. Ah, not now, not now, okay? Not now. Let me finish, okay? As the service got started, the preacher pulled out the first of what looked like several rattlesnakes that were in a burlap bag. So the preacher began to hand them out as he was walking down the aisles. He was handing one here, handing one there. Well, the guy was a little afraid of snakes, okay? Let's say he had a healthy respect for snakes. Unlike me, I just don't like them. Only good snakes are dead snake. I don't care what kind it is. My, my view, and I'm up here so y'all can't say nothing else. Anyway, so as the guy gets, as the preacher gets closer to this fella, the more he begins to panic, okay? He's sitting down on the aisle just a little bit, but this guy's getting closer 
and closer. And finally, he jumped up and he headed for the door. But there was a problem. The preacher had gotten beyond him and now was between him and the door. So he looks to the back of the church, or the front of the church, to see if there was a door there. Well, it was in a lot of the old buildings up in that area. There was only one door in and out. That was it. So turning to his friend, he's about to panic here, okay? So turning to his friend, who was really into the service, was almost like, leave me alone, me and the snakes here, okay? But he asked, where's the back door? I've got to get out of here. I'm about to panic, he was telling his friend. Man looked up at him and he says, well, we don't have but one door. And his friend, the guy looks down at his friend and says, well, where would you like a second one? Where would you like a second one? Rattlesnakes. Fear. One door. Where would you like a second door? I thought it was funny. As it turns out, the man was willing to make this church have a new door. Which leads to our reading today. We see Jesus is willing and he is able. And he has given this church in Philadelphia a new door. It's a door that only Jesus himself can open or shut. That, folks, is power. Let's look a little bit at the geography and the history of the Philadelphia area. The city was founded by the citizens of Pergamum. Y'all remember them from a few weeks ago. It seemed like Pergamum was the beginning of a lot of these churches in the area. It was roughly 105 miles from Smyrna. No, not South Carolina. It was known at one time as Little Athens because of the magnificent temples and the public buildings that were in the area. The city was designed to be somewhat of a a gateway to Asia Minor, an open door to Asia Minor, if you will. And because of its location, it seems that a number of earthquakes did a great deal of damage to the city. So the population within the walls of the city never really grew. In fact, it was built on the edge of a volcanic plain, giving it two things. First... It was the instability that they really didn't need, but they had it. And second, it was a very fertile area because of the volcanic ash and all. It was a great place for grape growing. Well, because of the grape growing, lo and behold, one of the more popular gods of the area was Dionysius. And guess what he was? The god of wine. There's a town there today called... Alasehar in Turkey. I think I pronounced that right. Population is around 15,000 people. The word Philadelphia came from the breakdown of two Greek words. I think we all know this. Phileo and Adelphos, meaning love and brother. Put those together and you've got what we know as Philadelphia being brotherly love. As always, we want to look at the address from Jesus His self-description here in verse 7, it says that Jesus is the one who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. No other than Jesus is flawless, without spot or blemish. 
I heard a comparison not long ago. A group was asked, what does the word pure mean? P-U-R-E. And one, a one-word definition was given. It's true. Think about that. I think that that pretty well sums up what pure is. Absolute truth. One other interesting description here. He holds the key of David. He continues by saying that if he opens or closes the door, no one is going to open it or close it. This comes directly from Isaiah 22, verse 22. If you read verses 20 through 24 of Isaiah 22, you'll get a more complete picture of what Jesus is talking about here and about his description. We've been looking at the commendation next in the other letters, and I think that perhaps... This is one of the more highly decorated churches in all of the seven. First, as was previously stated, he reminds them, I can see your deeds. I know you have little strength, but you've kept my word. You haven't denied my name. You have kept my command to endure patiently. In other words, when things went bad for the church... They didn't come to God complaining about how bad things were, about how what the, the deal that they were getting was so rotten. They didn't go to other gods either and give themselves over to them because the Creator God was not doing what they thought was right. They merely relied even more upon God. Now, this could be the big difference between this and other churches that we have talked about previously. Now, this church evidently isn't very big from all indications. But I ask you, in order to follow God's commands, in order to keep His Word, do we have to be a large church? If you think about it, Philadelphia could be Hill City. Give that some thought. But it doesn't mean it's got to be a large church. Bigger does not necessarily constitute better here, okay? Now, Jesus is not telling them that He is going to open the door for them because of their powerful programs or their great teachers and preachers. Not because of their beautiful buildings and all that they have built. None of that matters in this particular instance. It was because of their faithfulness to Jesus. They had been putting Jesus first in all things. And folks... That is what counts, just as it does here today at Hill City Church. We belong to, to, do, to two different churches. My wife and I did back many years ago. We don't talk about them very much because that was another time in my life, at least anyway, where I was just grasping, groping. Anyway, one, one church, it was a little PCUSA church. This was before... Things kind of got whacked out with, with the PCUSA. There was about 15 or 20 people there. And then there was a Baptist church that we went to. It had about 125 to 150 people. The first church was not growing like many of the folks in the church thought it should. And I'll never forget, I had a, a friend of mine out at the bowling alley who was an elder in that church come over to me one night and said, we finally got rid of him. And I'm like, is that the way to talk about your preacher? We finally got rid of him. So we left and we went to, to a Baptist church. And this church was growing by leaps and bounds. 
But after a while, after a year or so, the growth leveled off. It didn't diminish. It just leveled off. And the next thing you know, on a Saturday morning, the preacher had been fired and he was gone. These two churches, different in size, even different in denomination, were looking for a magic elixir. That one thing, a preacher... That would make the church grow like crazy. One preacher was older, wiser, more knowledgeable. He was not that personable, but he was okay. But he wasn't dynamic. The other was young. He was dynamic. He was somewhat charismatic. He knew his stuff really, really well. But both were gone in a relatively short amount of time. These two churches were putting their faith in the wrong place, in my opinion. They were putting it in man and not God. Even if these two men were of God, and I believe they were, they both preached well, but they were expected to be the face of the church and to personally make the church grow while everyone else sat back and reaped the benefits of that growth. We are not here to put our faith in man or in men, or in programs, or in anything else that this world would have to offer us. We are built on faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. The face of the church should be Jesus. And I want you to remember that, if nothing else, this morning, okay? The church in Philadelphia is being commended for their faithfulness to God and what He was going to do in the church. Because of that faithfulness, Jesus Himself was going to give them a dynamic ministry. In fact, they were to have such an impact here in this area that the synagogue of Satan, people said that they were Jews, but they were not living like Jews, would come and fall down at their feet and they would be able to acknowledge that Jesus loved that church more than He loved the synagogue. It's like it could be said about Smyrna in Revelation 2.9. We know of many who claim to be Christians. And the churches are filled weekly. But they simply don't live the Christian life. Same for the Jews. Look at Romans uh, 2, 17-29. I think you'll get a, a little better understanding of Paul's definition of what a true Jew should be. Now I find it interesting in this context. Either way, we can be sure that the truth one day will be revealed about all of us. I read one commentary that said that the Philadelphia church may have been thrown out of the synagogue, but those people who had excommunicated them would come seeking their help at some point. Now, whether that's accurate or not, I really can't say. But one thing is for sure. The Philadelphia church was doing what it was supposed to do. And what was that? It was witnessing and loving others. Bringing others to the foot of the cross. Regardless of what the synagogue wanted from them. As people accepted Christ through their witness, I I would imagine Jesus was right there with them, opening the door for them. However, if someone rejected them, maybe, I don't know, sadly... I would imagine Jesus would look with a longing eye and perhaps maybe even shut the door of those 
who refused him. I, I can't say for sure, but I believe there was still a crack in that door no matter what, just in case. Many churches today don't want that open door given to the faithful or even the curious. They don't want to give up control of everything that they feel like that they've worked for all of their lives. They want control of what goes on and comes in the open doors of their church. They, they want to have control of what takes place in the church. After all, if you want it done right, who are you going to call on? Yourself to get things done right, right? Making sure we know what goes on all the time to keep the riffraff out. This church in Philadelphia had little strength. They simply had a servant's heart. I want you to remember that. They love the Lord with all their collective heart, mind, soul, and strength, and they love their neighbor as themselves. Matthew twenty two forty says it all. That's where Jesus said that all the other laws hinged on these two. You know, we normally have a, a con- commendation, and then in the other letters we have a condemnation in these letters. You will not find a condemnation for this church. That's what we need to aspire to. Can you imagine what Hill City Church would look like if we did as the church in Philadelphia did? How about the ARP church in general? How about the church universal? What would the world look like today had we been following what this small, on-the-surface, comparatively ineffective-looking church did 2,000 years ago? Could you imagine what the world might look like today? All from a small, insignificant church. We move on to the promises of Jesus the writer here then. Since you've been faithful to me, he says, by keeping my commands to be patient, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come. Now, I believe we can look at that promise in a couple of different ways. First, as most of my commentators stated, it's the end of times that the faithful church will be spared. One writer called it the time, the ter- a terrible time for the world. There's no doubt about that one. The church, but I believe the church will be spared. What all will look like, what all that's going to look like at that particular point in time, I, I really don't know. I can't tell. The promise is right there, however. Until that day comes, the way I see it, we still need to work in the fields for our Savior. And there have been in times past historically... And there will be times ahead until the Lord comes, I believe, the church will be under fire from the world. We will be faced with severe trials. We're faced with severe trials even now. Threats of religious freedom being slowly eroded in places in the world. The God-ordained foundation upon which this country was initiated being removed or at the very least being altered as we talked about before, even within the confines of the church universal today, we see the world beginning to rear its ugly head and attempting to entrench itself in the middle of who we are. In my opinion, and I may be in the minority here, but that's okay. 
I see part of this promise to us today. Be faithful. Endure your hour of trial. No matter what that trial may appear to look like. Hang on. I will keep you safe. And he reminds us again. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have been given by me. Your blessings, your gifts, your strengths. Hold on so that no one can take your crown from you. So that no one will rob you of your joy by having that crown. It will be yours and yours alone. We understand that our eternal well-being is secured by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives and attempting to live for Him each and every day. Man can, uh, can only take our earthly joy away. Hold on. And that's not going to happen, Jesus tells us. You do that and I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You know what a, a, a pillar is? You think of a, a pillar in the community. That's one who is strong, who is supportive, dependable, immovable, solid, secure. We will be entrenched, secure in the temple of our God. We know it is heaven. Can't anybody take that away from us, period. That's a promise from Jesus. Perhaps after hearing about these doors being opened by the church in Philadelphia, maybe you're realizing that Jesus has been holding the door open for you for a good while now. You simply have not been walking through it. Perhaps it's a new ministry of some sort that has interested you for a while, but there's always been that nagging thought in the back of your mind, well, I'm too old. I'm too young. I can't sing. I can't teach. I don't respond to children or young people all that well. I don't know enough about the Bible to be able to witness to anyone, much less to people I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy at the end of the day. I don't have enough money or whatever it is to be effective in the church. Maybe it's something very serious concerning your relationship with Christ. Perhaps it isn't what it should be or has been in times past. Maybe He simply wants you to respond to Him for the first time. We look at Revelation 3.20 next week, but maybe He's simply trying to get your attention because you want to be His child and He wants you to be His. But maybe tomorrow. I mean, after all, there's always tomorrow, right? These are just a few doors that potentially Jesus is attempting to open for the first time for you. But you keep trying to slam the door shut on Him. Remember your, our description that Jesus gave us about Himself here. When I open a door, you ain't shutting it. But if I shut the door, you ain't opening it either. Jesus opens doors for us if we are open to see them through. Are you ready? He's waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church. Oh, I mean, not only Philadelphia Church, but I mean Hill City as well. We are small, yes. Compared to numbers, though, I've seen smaller. And yet I've... I've the power that we have within this church, the capabilities we have within this church are just staggering. 
So would you help us? Would you continue to keep those doors open for us as we look to minister to others around us in Rock Hill? Would you help us to be able to to find what we're looking for in a way that will make us more effective for your kingdom, not for our name, but for yours? Bless us to that end, we ask you today, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.